0: Man, what's crazy is when I was going through the summer workouts, they ruled me eligible the whole time. Oh. But after my first game, they ruled me ineligible. You oh. was 32, 12, and 8,
1: bro. <laughs> <laughs> no. Bro, he went ham. I'm like, they ain't gonna drop 8 assists with this? <laughs>
2: <laughs> this is Andre Iguodala. This is Evan Turner. We're trying to get to the true essence of not just basketball, but life. And that means something. something, something, something.
0: It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't. Concentrate on the finger or you will miss all that heavenly glory.
2: That level of understanding has been taken out of the game. game. Welcome back to the eighth episode of season 2.4 podcast. We're going to be talking to a very special guest in this episode, so stay locked in for that. Looking back. We just had New York Times bestselling author, Jonathan Abrams, on our last episode. So definitely go check that out wherever you're currently podcasting or on our Point Forward YouTube channel. ET, looking back, uh, we had a really interesting conversation with Jonathan Abrams. Up. He hit on some really good topics from you know balancing fatherhood, which we're all working with, and uh, the process of writing a book, which is really interesting. Jonathan lived off Riverside. In Harlem when he's working for the New York Times. And if you caught the last episode, we realized that it was the same Riverside that Tupac and his buddies were around at Juice. And he spoke on the gentrification of it all. It yeah, just ju- blew my mind. And Columbia's there, right?
1: Yeah, Columbia's there over there. Uh the Ivy League school, um, Columbia University. So the irony of all that, because you saw the movie Juice and uh, Tupac Shakur played Bishop along with, uh, was it Macau, not Macau Pfeiffer, Omar, Omar Epps. Epps. So obviously yeah. it was like a up and coming, you know, movie about a certain group of kids in, uh, you know, impoverished Harlem. So it's crazy. To see, you know, a, a crime scene occur in a person screen Riverside, motherfucker. And now that's where Columbia and all the gentrification. Felt. I thought okay. that was pretty crazy. I thought one thing that was pretty cool was, uh, you know, how he kind of, I mean, one of his books that he wrote was, uh, you know, hip hop evolution. Even like, uh, you know, what he did with The Wire. He wrote a book about The Wire and the history of that TV show. Like, to really... Right take something of your liking that almost felt like a gentrification in a sense like you know you know what i'm saying like sometimes you you might feel you might see all these books and everything and it's like well why would i care about this but you you bumped into somebody that made it a book off the tv show the wire or like a hip-hop you know a history of hip-hop that i really related to that i'm like bro i wish whatever you come up with next i'm down because it seems like it's from the culture for the culture and um I think one thing about our history and our our people and stuff, we got to continue to to keep making it historical, even like the the smallest lights. Because in the the common moments, it's kind of hard to get, it's just due. You know what I mean? It's either taken, stripped down, or told that it's negative. You know what I'm saying? Even Mm -hmm. though it's an art form.
2: Beautiful. Just beautiful. Thanks, big dog. Now, before we get into this episode special guest, uh, let's talk about the topics taking place in our world. Oh, speaking of which, I almost forgot, I saw a great show the other night. Great show. I saw uh Dave Chappelle and I saw uh Chris Rock. Oh, that was and that was in San Fran, right? Yeah, it was really yeah, good. They yeah. booed, they booed Elon Musk into, to Mars. Oh, How about really? that? Hopefully no, I crazy. thought that was funny. Anyway, <laughs> um <laughs> Chris Rock was super funny. Yeah. Um he had it and he did a Great bid on Will Smith. I can't wait till it comes out and everybody can check it out. But I'll leave it at that. But it I it was something he said was what I thought about it, but I can't give it up. So All right, well, I apologize I apologize, Evan, well, for wasting 20 seconds of your time.
1: I was about to say, folks, sit back. We're right back at square
2: one. Let's buckle in. <laughs> no, <just laughs> Point. Forward. Are down for that clown for that segment is where ET and I would basically disagree respectfully. How about that? That's and good. this week, NBA has some new awards that they're announcing. They've been dropping new awards for like the last three or four years. It feels like, or just new, ver- new versions of the award. Whether it's a new Finals trophy, uh, Finals MVP trophies, new the Western Conference, Eastern Conference Finals Player of the Finals, whatever you call that. Uh, it's a lot of new awards out there. This one, they're remodelling the trophies, uh, so they all are named after great players historically in yeah. our game. So the MVP trophy is the Michael Jordan trophy. Uh, Akeem Olajuwon for defensive player of the year. Wilt Chamberlain for the rookie of the year. Havlicek for six men of the year. And George Mikan for most improved player. Down for that or are they a clown for that?
1: Few and far between. I think there's certain stuff that comes into this game. For the sake of acknowledgement, you have to really – because. It's kind of like the '90s. What's it? The the Knicks from the '90s, even though they never won a championship, they should still somewhat be remembered to an extent because it was a time and a memory and and, and and swaggers. You hate them. You, you're the reason why they're not a big deal. But Lob City. In LA, oh yeah, that was a moment in time where it was. you look back on it, it's like, damn, that was a great team. You look at the early thousand Sacramento Kings teams or the Portland Trailblazers, so
2: like yeah, squads. You, or you you give a nod off to uh,
1: you know Portland like, Trailblazers
2: that kept losing in the finals and Kawhi uh, yeah. Drexler them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Or no, yeah. go to a better
1: one, the the Super They went to or no, the Utah Jazz. Oh yeah, went, yeah, yeah. They went to the the Jazz back- and back- Sonics. Yeah, they yeah. went to the two back to back finals, and it's just like MJ. Yeah was uh, was a was alive you know what i'm saying true, true. so i think in this in this for the sake of time center for the sake of there's a lot of ignorance of knowing and like kind of seeing you really have to put a label for the sake of the game because that's the only way people are really understanding it it's the analytics of it it's a 12 second game you know what i'm saying so right i'm into that i'm also into the i, I, I guess i'm into the fact of uh Someone spreading trophies and opportunities out, in a sense,
2: because... You... Wait, you were missing an award. Who? There was a Clutch Award. Yeah, that's... I, that's I, they, uh, they a clown for that. That's Jerry West. Jerry West, I'm a, I'm down for Jerry West being a Clutch Award, but it's, I'm not for this Clutch Award. Like, what is a Clutch Award? Yeah, like, that's the MVP.
1: Yeah. That's all in one. Yeah, yeah basically when you're saying it, because you got guys screaming like, I, I, I don't know. I, a Clutch Award is, you got to show up, bro, down there 98% of the time. Not go... And shout out to my man, Paul George, and I had a Paul George percentage and then we give you the Clutch Award. Like, no, dog, you're 0.3%. You feel what I'm saying?
2: But isn't that the MVP? He showed up 98% of the time?
1: You're absolutely right. But it's I don't know, man. It's, you know, certain people
2: step up and shoot the last
1: shot sometimes. Who I, I don't know what type of award that would be. My whole thing that I didn't dig was the George an Award for most improved. I, I don't yeah. know. Out of all the great players that were missed, I don't know where Mike came up. Or out of all the great players that could be left, like left in the past. like Mike and name don't come up whatsoever, like at all, like never. Like if you want to get a white dude, then go get a white dude. Like you know what I'm saying? Like diversity. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you want to know what I want to do? I really, really want to occur. Take the What's Michael. That? Take the MVP trophy. Give that to Kobe, okay? Let that be the Kobe Bryant. actually MVP, the MVP of, trophy? The whole trophy, okay?
2: Oh, just make Michael Jordan the image of the league. Thank you. That's all I'm saying. Okay. Yes, because... All right, he, all right, all right. all right. Yeah,
1: or give it to Shaq, yeah. but we got to make up for the time that Steve Nash won two MVPs while those two were in the league and still breathing. So, yeah. all right? That, that makes yeah. sense. Let's even that out. Shout out to Steve for that 18 and nine a game. But, like, come on, baby. Them some teens to be remembered, too. It's do you, th- super, it's,
2: you don't like it? You don't like it, Dre? The, the trophies and everything? I saw the trophies. Um, I was trying to identify with them. I'm not mad at the whole thing. So, yeah, I'm not mad. I, I, I see what Adam is trying to do. I think they're trying to cross over to this new, you know, NBA wants to, which I applaud them, you know, the new TikTok era. Yeah, you know the younger generation; yeah. they're consuming, they're consuming our sports very differently, and so they're they're really trying to uh, get up to date with this ever changing world that these kids live in nowadays. But the part that I really like is that what you said, paying homage to some players that you know paved the way for our league and a lot of our youth don't have the knowledge of these guys or understand what they were doing, you know, 30 40 years ago. And I think that always plays a part in our sports. Like we we're not doing a good job of um having a reverence for the history of, yeah. you know, whatever we're consuming, whether it's sports, whether it's finance, whether it's whatever. Like we just think that something got invented yesterday. Point forward. Now, the interesting part is maybe I'm not on the competition committee so I had no idea about this, but I don't know if, if our union had any say in it. But I don't think the union will have an issue with this because I mean that clutch, that clutch award is a new incentive in your contract, too. So you know what I'm saying? Like when you get yeah. a contract, it's like all right, I want a million dollars for winning MVP. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? If I win one of these awards, what's your what's the what's what's the incentive for winning clutch player of the year? Like what's that value that? That's that's super interesting.
1: Man, I'm, I'm, if if I'm not the star player and I'm getting the shots, that means I'm a secret weapon. So I need about five of them things. Yeah, it's a good. I like that one. No, because at the end of the day, when you break it down, we're literally winning down the stretch. So like, when, I want to use this perfect example: Giannis Antetokounmpo or Chris Middleton, Drew Holiday. You, Giannis, of course, can finish games. Of course, me, preferably, I would like to see. Drew or Chris with the ball in his hands, I just trust it more. So, it, if you see certain plays like the game six and the big shots Chris Middleton was hitting, like the step-backs from the left, obviously Giannis had a 50-18, or like certain shots throughout there, or even closing out Boston. Right. I, I think those moments really, really matter.
2: I'm not getting in that argument again because I don't know nothing about basketball according to people who don't play basketball for a living.
1: When you talk about like, say if the, there's a player that wins an MVP award and a clutch award, I feel like it only benefits the dude that thought he should have begun a little bit. It's like you equate it to like when that person gets the TV, the TV interview, and then they send you to radio. Like you know what I mean? It's like uh. I know I, I was over here for a, you know what I'm saying. I was over here for a reason, but I still did some dirt. But I think that would I don't know what a
2: clutch award would do, bro. I I I, I don't get it. Joe Johnson would have got it. Um yeah. Bill Simmons did take a dig. Not a dig, but kind of. He's he say? basically saying his words, not mine. Why the fuck are we naming all the NBA trophies? <laughs> can can we name the all NBA 3rd team trophies after Joe Johnson's? Ooh. <laughs> spicy. But this is interesting. No, we talk about uh, George Mike and George Mike averaged 28 points per game as a rookie. By his yeah. fourth season, his numbers were going down. So when did he ever improve as a pro? <laughs> no, and, and that's the truth. But, like,
1: I mean, it's an NBA, bro, where it don't really make sense, man. Like, only thing I'm going to say, too, with the trophies that might occur, I guess, man, I don't know, bro. Like, you at least get something from because you didn't feel this bro but for four or five years there was a media run and there was a hype train of a franchise running through which were the warriors yeah and prior to and 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 prior to that and that was kd doing that you know what i mean he came over it's just certain points where it just seemed unfair we're not knocking it to each their own but it was just like you had to wait until this narrative ended in a moment of history
2: Man, we still don't get no calls though. So when they when they start I'm not knocking it,
1: but at the same time, I'm still playing against Andre Iguodala, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and whoever else dur- during the time. Like that's like playing versus MJ, fool. Like it still don't make no sense. It doesn't justify anything. And y'all won a lot of championship, but it was lame as fuck. So, like, but literally. We
2: just, we just, Steph just nah, won one by nah, itself. Nah, Steph nah, just no, won one no, no, by no. myself
1: And that's perfectly fine. I'm talking about when you lame-ass niggas did that for two or three straight years. That was lame as fuck. Was that game. us?
2: Or was that us following the trends of where the league was going, had already been? Word the mother, I would never go recruit no KD.
1: I don't give a damn who was there. That's not i us.
2: Not, I'm, no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying how the trends of the league have been going. When, yeah, you know. Boston, when Boston teamed up. Kind Bro, of Boston and
1: of... then was 49 years old. Exactly. But then some other
2: folks went after that. And, and that was they fine. Think... It, it,
1: but that was still lame. It controlled the league in a narrative of we're trying to make money. When we're trying to make money, it's a whole entertainment thing. I don't care what you think is it's proven. And refs and everything are part of it all. It's a narrative. So when you sit there, you're wasting 8, nine, ten years worrying about Fable,
2: we and, we might have we might have wasted two years. Y'all wasted two, two or three years, yeah. two and, then, and only two, because we only won two out of the four. You're absolutely right. I OD. No, you didn't years. OD. You didn't OD. But it was lame, but, bro. And
1: like, so when you think about stuff like this, it wastes a lot of people's time. And and I don't. And whether you think so or not, and it was cool and built the league and shit. But when we're talking about competition and everything. Like, you're showing up to work for what? It's all lame. It's like you go. It's like all right, bro. We can't even add this many players on this team, but we got this lame ass powerhouse over here. How? But
2: okay. I understand that part of it. But why? Why were we going to work in Philly? They didn't even want us to win.
1: <laughs> no, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So fuck it. Get these little lame awards, <laughs> running up on incentives, and go home. It's all a crock of shit. That's what I'm saying. It's all
2: a crock of as- shit. Point forward. Zion's 360 dunk. Has been causing a great stir. Down for that clown, for that CP did try to get a bucket. I'm not gonna argue. Whatever. We're gonna figure out what side you're on first, because we, yeah. we, we can argue this one. I'll just yeah, go with down opposite of you. I'm down I'll for it. I'll just opposite. So 360 windmill as it was amazing. It was impressive because I I'm didn't. We don't. Know, we didn't know if he had it or not. Should he have done that?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm down for it. I think there's been a big underlying tone amongst the Pelicans and Suns. And it's like, all right, welcome to smoke. I think that type of energy is going to be good for the playoffs. And I think it's really authentic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like like the fuck use at this level isn't like no cap. It's authentic. And I, I kind of like it's coming from the Pelicans because it's kind of testing to see if the Suns are for real with all the smoke they
2: be acting like they about. Now, I'm going to go the opposite way. I'm not going to call them a clown because... The the energy from BI, who I love. BI one of my favorite players. The energy yeah. from BI on Instagram that evening was incredible. Did you see that? Yeah, but and you want to know why? He
1: has the same, he has the same energy for a certain level that like, remember, that we all have when you
2: be like that somebody <laughs> punched him? Good. Like, you know what I'm saying? So like, like BI got the same energy he had yeah. in LA when the Lakers and, and that that Rondo CP fight.
1: Yeah, no and that's not we
2: saw a different side of BI and we see that same BI when well, that is it North Carolina thing BI from North Carolina
1: Yeah bro bro it, they it bro that's not his OG so I have no clue what that's about cuz you don't know either fight. Yeah so like it, it has nothing to do with like North Carolina but remember the last time they played like I think at the beginning of the year he damn near when they got into a scuffle again or was that last year he he was like yeah what's good yeah that was yeah, last know, year, but, too. Yeah, yeah. He was like, Yeah, we know. All right, you yeah, know what they, time it is. Yeah, you don't want to fight. So, like, and when you add it up, shout out to Chris Paul, bro. But I didn't been on a court when Chris Paul and laid the ball up at the end of the game. And he and literally Dana walked up and like, yo, what the fuck is you doing? And he said, What you mean? the game's still going. Like, literally verbatim. I heard him say this. So he's like, bro, what are you like, what are you on, dog? The game's still going. So when I seen it, yeah, like I liked all of it. Low key, I, I th- I had three sixty some shit back in the day. You At did, the end of the buzzer. And, but you apologized. Yeah, because I was, you was only, like, "He was he like, was like, my bad.' I tweaked. I tweaked. Yeah, because I was only aiming after Nick Young. I wasn't trying to aim after nobody else. So I was only being oh. a dickhead to Nick Young. So when I did that, I rocked it, dumped it in front of him and squad and all his homies. Because you know, me and Nick always had like a, a little joking rivalry, and I literally ah. walked up and said, "Yo, my bad," to like the coaches and the team, and then. Nick knew it was for him. <laughs> yeah, that was it. I was literally like, bro, I had it had nothing to do with nothing else, but and me and Nick were cool. Nick Young is a like, cool dude, a dope ass yes. dude. Yes. But he's it's super cool. But Nick, his entourage sometimes, shout out to Meat and everything, Whoa, Mike or something. What we call it? What you calling
2: a man Meat?
1: His name is Big Meat. Big Meat. And, That's what um, I'm
2: saying, bro. we not. I'm not calling another man Big uh, bro, Meat. It's like Pete? calling another man Big Sexy. It was a Big Sexy at, at Tim Grover's gym at the Doe every morning. What's up, Big Sexy? Man, so I can you keep him doing this. Did, did he look sexy? No, bro. All right, there like,
1: So, so, so then so 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 you can call him that. It's like calling a fat nigga Slim.
2: True. Or Tiny. Tiny. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, a play yeah, no yeah. I got words. you.
1: like I where little Kevin it. at? little Kevin, 800 pounds and shit. Yeah, but I long story that. short, me and Nick will always go back and forth. So whenever I used to always enjoy... uh Getting under his skin competitively, so doing that and and tapping it off is just me just <laughs> putting my nuts on his drum set. You know what I mean? But shout out to Big Meat, y'all need some jewelry. Shout out to Big Meat. Shout out to Nick Young. Obviously, wanna actually Nick Young been so fly for so long, bro. Yeah, yes, he, he was early, early on it too. Yeah, I early gave it to on him. it. Yeah, early so. on. You got so, a lot of kids in the game.
2: Oh, we're uh, we gonna we're gonna pull up on Nick one day. Nick's my guy. Uh, unless yeah. we unless he catch, he's I think he's trying to get over to. The White's team in China. So, oh, he's uh, still hooping. Nick be going crazy in them uh, LA hoop runs. Oh, no, he's um, gonna score
1: for forever. I just thought, yeah, for like, it was
2: yeah, ever, yeah, it was over. But back to the topic, me personally, I was always, I'm taking a turnover if we up uh, big numbers just for the simple fact that yo, y'all need to wave the white flag. Like, we up 100 to two in a high school game, and like, all right, we'll just take violations because. We just we spanked y'all, put y'all over our lap and spank y'all. So I would have wanted Zion to dribble up the court and just smile, like get him up out of here. I would rather that. Yeah, not, I feel you, but it's an outlier yeah. to everything.
1: Like the Suns are the same one that got Clay Thompson turned up. So when it comes down to it, do that ninety eight percent of the time. Not I the Suns. The Suns sound like they want they they want to hear something back. So you put a mirror up to them. The Suns is the same team. They came at LeBron too. When Brown was on the bench pits when he's coming that campaign. Oh, don't start acting you like was that. just out the lead. Yeah, you were just yeah, it like. So when they come down to it, like let's bring it to their doorstep. Okay. Like, make oh. sure y'all go to New Orleans, stay out that third war. I heard CJ finna make some plays on you. And you heard and you saw CP3. They bore my man in the city.
2: Yeah, I ain't like that one. I didn't like that neither. Over, I ain't over, like that one.
1: Over Jose Alvarado, y'all gonna forget everything. <laughs> Man, it did. See C P three had some of the best had some of the best playoff games like I ever yeah. seen. Yeah. surely. Like in New Orleans. Yeah. Thirty three and eighteen versus the Mavericks, bro. That was before like that's back when dudes are only scoring 17, 70 points a night.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So uh Evan Turner uh is the unanimous uh, vote-getter for winner of Down for That Clown for That Week. Enjoy your uh, – we'll make up a new trophy. uh yeah, got to do something. And we'll give it to you. Like, we can follow the league. All right, topics. E.T., the World Cup,
1: you've been paying attention? Man, I've been. Um, I've been – it's so funny, and this is an arts culture type flex. Remember a couple of years ago, I bought the Hublot FIFA Big Bang watch.
2: Oh, I didn't know it was FIFA. I remember the watch though. Yeah,
1: so it's a digital. It's electric. It's basically like an oh, Apple yeah, Watch, yeah, yeah, but it's a yeah, smart yeah, watch. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I know and, what you're talking about.
2: And every World
1: Cup, I missed out. I haven't had it charged, but every World Cup, it'll upload and give me live stats for every game. So when a, oh, when the soccer dope. tick off like kickoffs about to occur, it goes. Like it'll blow a whistle and it'll show me who's playing. Or like penalty kicks, it'll upload it. But damn, I didn't tweet, I didn't miss the whole goddamn thing. But long long story well, short. you got
2: Sunday. You got Sunday, the finals.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah, yeah. That's what I just plugged it today. But long story short, I, I'm into it. I've been watching it. I just hope the GOATs finish off their legacy. I already see like Neymar. He's kind of out already. He's out already. Yeah, that's a question for you.
2: Oh, sorry, so every team get five kicks on each side, right? And say you go down. I think Croatia scored – nah, Croatia didn't miss. They scored four straight times, and Brazil missed once, but they went first. So the fourth guy, he had to score, and if he didn't score, it wouldn't have counted because it would have been over with because yeah. they already missed once. Yeah. And so we were saying should Neymar have went fourth because if you miss, it's over with. So we need a for sure goal. Yeah. And he didn't go, and they missed. Yeah, that that is tough. Damn.
1: But my thing was, if they went he didn't want that smoke. Yeah, I, that's what they say in the papers. They say he be ducking and dodging the smoke.
2: You can tell, fam. And I don't even know that about him. But I'm saying, fam, if, if we down and we have to score a goal, if we miss this goal, it's over, Yeah. sign me up immediately. Yeah. Like, watch out, my guy. Yeah, whoever I'm
1: not too sure who missed it. I don't know the history. Of people. Obviously, I'm sure he was the second big one on the team. You know what I mean? It's like, it's it? like
2: MJ. That's like MJ handed it off to Steve Kerr. Like, yeah, I know. you could take the shot. Yeah, no, you Because Steve Kerr made the shot. that was tied game, I think. Right? No, Steve Kerr made the Go ahead. They were the game was tied before he made it though. Yeah, I think so. Because if they were down one, I'm thinking MJ yeah, shooting. Yeah. yeah, I mean, well, he shot it. Yeah, for sure. But you remember, that was a read. He said they were doubling on that shit all the time. But you're absolutely right. He would have shot it. You're absolutely right. He if shot they it. was down, he would have shot it. Because That shot he made against a uh, shot he missed against the Patriots off the backboard when Reggie Miller pushed off and made three. Yeah, MJ was like, I, I ain't pass, I gotta get this off. He almost made it too. Yeah, like when they were down, yeah, yeah, MJ not yeah. passing the rock. That's no, what no, I'm saying, no. fam. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just don't know the conversations
1: yeah. in that or if the coach was like, No, 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 he's gonna make it. I don't know, but absolutely, like, yeah, a killer would want to shoot every last one of them for sure, especially when it's going down. I wouldn't leave four straight to risk, right? like, but at the same time, bro, you. See, Maybe he was a liability. They like we're not about the re- we not about to rely on him to, to, to tie this up. It's too much. We'll only go to him if we have to. We and there's been players like that too, bro. It's been players like we'll only go to him down the stretch if we have to. You As know a, in,
2: player, a player, a player. I'm not saying I'm not saying this about this player, but this was the narrative around Kevin Garnett. I don't know if you remember that when he was in Minnesota, they said he would never take. Big shot, and he passed up a few shots, but he was passing up to guys butt naked. Yeah, and those guys missed some shots, and they said, Did you not want the last shot? He was sprayed. That was the crazy part of the league. Like, you, you if you were the best player on the team, you had to come out last, your name had to be on all the uh, city buses, and you had yeah. to have your face in the arena everywhere. And you know, that was that's probably I said that's why Lob City ended, right? You know, arguing over whose face was bigger on the banners in the Lakers arena, but KG wouldn't take the big shot. They said, and I don't know. I didn't like that narrative at all, actually, but that was a narrative they had on him. And it sounds similar. Whereas I don't know. I'm just saying you got to step up and Bro, you this is Dame dollar
1: says it perfectly because like, regardless of which, like, bro, it's on you. He said, you're going
2: to help me a lot, bro. But at the end of the day, I comprehend it's on me. True. Yeah, cuz Steph he spoke about, you know, him missing that shot. I was open on the wing and I wanted that. I'm like, "Hey." But looking back, the guy who shot the ball was a guy who was supposed to shoot the ball.
1: Absolutely. Do it
2: all over again. Yes, and that's why I, that's why I know guys are different when they yeah. can miss a shot in the moment and be like, "I do the same thing again." I love it. Point forward. Sam Beckman Fry, SBF. If y'all haven't, go back and check out his um uh the interview I did with him, and I love I love E.T. It was a couple episodes you said uh, it was a reason why you didn't pull up to that episode because you knew yeah. what Buddy was on. That was Honestly, uh, yeah. eloquent. But SBF, uh, they got him, fam. <laughs> <laughs> they put the, he put the cuffs on him. Listen, they bro. went and got him. They went and got him. And so, backstory: If you don't know SBF, uh, Sam Bankman-Fried, he, uh, he founded uh, Alameda. Research And he also found FTX, which is the uh, crypto uh, trading platform. Uh, somehow, some way or another, one way or another, they were doing their finances on QuickBooks, which is uh, something a super small business would use. He's talking about, you know, a couple tens of thousands in revenue use. He was using this for, uh, I think they were valued at north of 50 billion. They were valued at like well above that. And they were using QuickBooks, QuickBooks for all their accounting. And somehow lost $10 billion. Um, and he said it was just an accounting mistake. Uh, but some facts. Um, they went and found. Essentially what he was doing, he was taking customers' money and using it to leverage for uh, trading for his own. Like he was using it. He was a marketplace and a market maker, which is, you can't do all that. Yeah, or it never works. Yeah, right. He was using other people's money to do stuff he wasn't supposed to do with. It's simple. Yeah. That's what it, that's what happened. But like $10 billion of it which is fraud and a big fraud. Um, but it's super interesting how these guys get these fraud cases. I wonder how much time he'll get. But anyway, FTX spent $256 million on the Bahamas real estate. Uh, the island wants the money back now, which is interesting. So that's the interesting thing about government. You would buy something for two, three 300000000 They want all the money back, but then they still get the property and then sell it again. Turned out SBF, that's, that's, that's interesting to me. Yeah, Turned yeah, out SBF yeah. and other execs were doing a poor job of uh, book can, bookkeeping, like I said, uh, the business in general. Um, he was blaming his girlfriend for a lot of stuff. His girlfriend was running the Alameda uh, Research part of the company. So he's taking other people's money and giving it to her for the company that he started over there and doing some wild stuff with it.
1: Uh, so, pa- go ahead. So you said a couple episodes ago you thought he was going to bounce back. What do you think? And so
2: are you going to write him? Great questions. <laughs> it's very he was so the one thing he figured out was I think he understands his white privilege yeah, yeah. and where he comes from. Both parents, educators, they're on yeah. like boards. They went to Stanford, like, you know, it comes from comes from a place where these lawmakers and yeah. you know, the people who make decisions, the judges, they all come from these same places. And so mm-hmm. It's just like when they go shoot up a school and come out alive. Yeah. You know, they always end up on the right side of their fuck-ups. Yeah, you know no, what I mean? for sure. Yeah. They say, so, I'm
1: sorry, officer, I didn't know I couldn't do that.
2: Right. So yeah. SPF has been on Twitter spaces, uh, giving random interviews like live. Like you you've never seen this in human history. Somebody do so much of something so bad and just speak so freely publicly. Like they got his text messages, text message interviews with like you know, uh, writers of like you know tech posts, you know like uh, or tech publications. Yeah. And so he's just out here, just like
0: he I was like I just, I, I, yeah.
2: I made some mistakes, you know. It was yeah. it was I really messed up. You know that was his tweet. I fucked up, guys. I'm sorry. Fam, fucking up is like, you know I was somewhere I wasn't supposed to be. You know I was out in these streets too late. Or you forgot to bring donuts to the meeting.
1: Like you know what I mean? Like yeah, you bring Ed, Like it's your turn to bring snacks. That's where you fuck up at. Not my man living lavish in the Bahamas for billions. You know what makes me so mad, bro? Because even you said this. You are like, like even talking about it, it's like, man, this dude he got so much money, but he 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 act like he he live off forty
2: thousand dollars a year. He did move like that.
1: I dig you, but how does that narrative after stealing billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars? bypassed so far that the first thing we say this about him is he lives like he's he's making only $40,000 a year as opposed oh. to he's in a bajillion dollars daily. Like one of the biggest get like what the Enron guy was saying the books was way worse than the Enron situation.
2: Right. Who, so the, like Enron, that, the guy who took over for Enron took over for FTX and he's like the new C- CEO and they just basically trying to salvage the situation to get everybody their money back.
1: Yeah, so like I'm just saying like we... we we talk about a lot of that stuff, and there's a lot of like cool stuff going on that like we never heard of. But like, come on, bro, if it looked like a duck, sound like a duck, quack like a duck. It's probably a duck. It's probably a duck. And then you want to know what they do? They point to everybody else, and and then before you know it, last minute they disappear, and you got to look for them. And be like, hey, bro, answer up to what you've been doing. He
2: got to go to jail. But. I'm trying to figure out how to say this because I don't want to get it. Anyone take it the wrong way. The worst, I would say like this. The worst people in the world in terms of, you know, the bad things that they do, like some of the people who have done some of the worst things in human history. Yeah. You're talking about either they're exploiting people or killing people or idiot, st- I mean. stealing.
1: Yeah.
2: They are geniuses. It's just used the wrong way. Yeah, for sure. And hopefully, I don't get any trouble saying that because it's that's just the truth. The system that was placed on Black people the last 500 years is genius. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah 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 genius. Like this. All right then. The, all right this, then. Yeah, the, all right you, then. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, the systemic oppression is crazy. Yeah, yeah. it's genius. Yeah, I'm like, like you y'all, y'all 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 really make us think. Like y'all really make us think the way we think, which is totally messed up. Like we don't. Like we know. We know what y'all doing is wrong, but we still can't change it. It's genius. No, bro, they got it to the to degree, like pie.
1: Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, how pie just keeps going. You be like, damn, this is sewn up like this. Damn, this is sewn up like this. Damn. Like, when you hear about it, you be like, damn.
2: Yes. Touche. Shit. I have nothing to say after that. <laughs> <laughs> was beautiful. They got it sewed up like they got pot. It don't stop. <laughs> can't stop. Can't stop. Won't stop. Uh, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle did that, and so he was like, "Pants, stop. won't stop." To 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 and to end this episode, we want to end on a good note, positivity. Uh, oh, go check out that uh, Sam Bakeman Fry interview in season one if you want to learn how to be really good at fraud. Yep, his and name is people think you're a good person. Yeah,
1: Bankman <laughs> fried All you got to do is look unassuming and, like, give people credit, and then you just go in their wallet, apparently. So that was a part of his Oh, wait, Drake, Check I out... saw you on Advent Elementary this past weekend. This past week, I literally was at the crib. I had myself a nice little red wine, cozied up, had the temperature set to, like, 74, 75, <laughs> six hot. socks on it. You know, how I get Oh, you do live in the cold weather, my yeah, bad. Yeah, big socks on, everything. I just legit just say on the couch. Bro, it's a great episode, bro. And
2: your love interest for that episode, they did her up. She was looking good. I'm oh, damn. So she's from so, Illinois. You know, she uh, home she she's the homie. Yeah, she's from Illinois, and she's an actual comedian. Comedian. She's and, hilarious.
1: Did you get to work closely with Quinta Brunson?
2: So yeah. um Quinta is the reason why we got on. Uh, I don't know if we spoke about it before, but we saw Quinta at the ESPYs. And she was just showing me mad love. She confused me with uh, playing with Eric Snow and them. I ain't that old.
1: She probably thought you was George Lynch for real.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, but she definitely knew me because when uh, when I did the show, um, we were DMing on uh, IG talking about I love the show. She was a big Sixers fan. She had a great story when she was a kid she liked basketball and she always wore Sixers jerseys and her mom had her confused in terms of what she was as a person because she was always running around playing basketball which is super funny yeah. and I ain't say nothing they had nothing to do with me but it was uh we were talking back and forth and so she got me on the show uh, because we wanted her to come on a pod. Now she's really, t- we got to level up our game. We got like another yeah. year before we really level yeah. up when she'll come on. We, like Oprah, she's on Oprah now. Yeah. And so yeah, when, yeah. I, when I, when when I got there, uh, she set it all up. I had a trailer, super dope. Um, they had some fly gear for me. Um, I had my own clothes, but like they had everything. Like they had stuff that I wear, they had it. And so now that just lets me know the budget. Um, the but budget. she was super cool. Yeah. And then uh, it was, this was like, this was like right when we got back from China, and so it was a lot of stuff going on in the news about us and our team. And she wanted to know about all that. Uh, so it was super cool. her. But she's like a big basketball fan. Uh, Draymond's her favorite player. Like, it was super dope. She was really? talking about Draymond. That's she was dope. like, I love Draymond so much. Big Draymond fan. But she was cool. Point forward. This week, we're joined by my young guy, James Wiseman. Wiseman has had some up and downs throughout his career. But as you'll learn from this fascinating conversation... He has so much going for himself on and off the court. And I think he'll definitely win in the end. Hope you enjoy. How did you come to be on Point Forward
0: Podcast? Man, Andre literally gave me the text. Uh, Really, he told me yesterday, two days ago, he was like, hey, you want to come to the podcast? I was like, yeah, spit some games, spit something about basketball
2: and and just talk about real stuff. Now, I see he hasn't listened to none of the podcast because he said talk about basketball, but I'm going to go further from where you come from, Nashville, Tennessee. It's not a hotbed as an NBA talent city. How did you get to the NBA coming from where you came from?
0: Um, I got to the NBA just by my ambition. Um, really, in middle school, it all started for me. 7th mm-hmm. um, grade, I was 6'4". 8th grade, I grew to 6'8". Right. Then that's when I started uh, developing my skills. Uh, my coach gave me some drills, like just small stuff, like mm-hmm. going outside. Like my 7th grade summer, I was going outside every day, mm-hmm. all summer, just working on my hops. Uh, my coach told me to do five-minute jump ropes because I didn't have my bounce like that in 7th right. yeah. grade. 8th grade, when I grew, that's when I just started doing jump ropes five minutes a day. Uh, I started creating, like, time sheets and just, like, different sheets for myself in the house and put it up on the wall and, like, man, I'm going to do 10 calf raises, 100 calf raises a day, 100 Mm push-ups a day, and just working on my bouncing stuff. And, like, that's when my skills started developing, really, like, at a rapid rate, just in eighth grade.
1: You think that type of work ethic early on, do you think that was the biggest impact you had in your life? Like, just learning how to work early and the results of it?
0: Yeah, because my mom, uh, she worked two jobs and my dad worked two jobs, so I was the man of the house. Um, my sister was in college um, as I started going through high school, so I had to just be the man of the house. I had to do everything on my own. Uh, I had to learn how to cook. I had to learn how to clean and do a lot of stuff so that when my mom would get back home, she don't got to worry about it. But at the same time, I was outside working on my game and um, in, in practice, I was just in the gym all night, all day. Like when my friends had parties and they wanted me to go to parties in high school, I I, I didn't go to parties. I just committed myself in the gym. Yeah.
1: So that gets you ready for you know being committed, and obviously a lot of kids your age want to be out and party, and enjoy themselves. But your journey, your path was way different with the work ethic and um, the accountability. But also too, you picked up and for the sake of basketball, relocated. Right? Was that was a mature move? You understood for the the betterment of your opportunity. But going in that, what were you nervous? Was that just always something you knew you were going to do? Like. This is the best opportunity for me. This is what I'm doing. No,
0: nah, just like what Andre said, um, it's not that much talent in Tennessee. Right. So uh, I had to get more exposure and just going over there, playing in Memphis East, playing with Penny Hardaway. Mm-hmm. Like him knowing the game and him just giving me film about Shaq and like how he used to run the floor mm-hmm. and just and just small stuff like that. And he really didn't treat me as a traditional big man. Like he treated me as a big man that can develop guard skills. Yeah. So we used to be in the gym and he used to just drill me with just guard skills. and I used to just do it every day, every morning. We used to go to the gym every night. Uh, me and Javante Holmes, we used to be in the gym after school, after practice and just put that work in. So, yeah.
2: And, and you know, I, I'm not sure if I have even shared this with E.T., but Penny had like probably the largest impact on my basketball life. Like if you go back into my sixth grade, (laughs) seventh grade basketball photos I had on Penny's. Oh, wow. And I was a point guard from like all the way up, like point forward, that's, you know, E.T.'s been a point guard. We've been point guards, but we were the tallest guys on the floor. And Penny was that for me. And, uh, so just seeing him, what he's been able to do at East in Memphis and now he's at Memphis, the university, um, it's just, every time I see him, I get like jitters. It's interesting. So in saying that, what was it like, you know, meeting him for the first time and what, you know, how did your relationship grow with him? Man, it was crazy. Uh, It was the first game and, uh. Ninth
0: tenth grade, I went to private school. Uh, I went to Innsworth High School. So uh, he came to one of my games and uh, I, like I think I had like 20 and 10 in like the first half, something like that. And man, as I was running down the court, he was actually coming into the gym. And I was like, man, this Penny Hardaway. Like, that's crazy. I don't, I don't know how he was able to find me, but man, he just popped up to my game. And then after the game, we chopped it up. And that's when like everything like just went from there. Like he got my number and then that's how we just started going back and forth about the game and just asking questions and stuff. And mind you, this is my sophomore year. So. Yeah, Well, you're
1: you're well aware of everything Penny meant to, you know, the state of Tennessee basketball and just like all that, like were you just.
0: Yeah, man, in Memphis, like just everywhere, like you see Penny on billboards in Memphis, like (laughs) just everywhere you see him, newspapers and everything. So I wanted to uh, like, I just visualized myself, like, one day becoming that. So, I, like, that pushed me harder, too. That Like, that's what took my grind to a whole different level mm-hmm. just by seeing him. And just by, like, him being there in Memphis and just seeing his inspiration on the kids, like, that made me want to work harder so I can one day be in that position mm-hmm. as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been asking <laughs> a lot of the why's, you know, why you've done what you've done to get where you're at. And now that you're here, has your motivation changed any way? And if so, in what way? Or has it still the constant of what you, you've always had?
0: it. Uh, I've always had it ever since I was younger when I told you about like the sheets I used to put on my wall, just mm-hmm. like the small workouts and yeah. stuff every day. Like it's just that self-discipline. And mm-hmm. I was like, man, do I want to, man, experience the pain of self-discipline or experience the pain of self regret? Man, my mom working two jobs, my dad working two jobs. So I mm-hmm. got to make sure that I be that focal point for for my family. So like that's what just pushed me. I'm
2: going to always have that ambition no matter what. And, and you're very mature beyond your years. You know, I know you said you were a man of the house, you were on your own. Uh, a little something uh, many people don't know about you is you speak Mandarin. Yeah. When mm-hmm. At what age yeah. did that start? Yeah. Man,
0: it started my, literally my first year, I went to private school, like ninth grade. Uh, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. ninth mm-hmm. grade, I went to private, uh, private school. Eighth grade, I was in public school. My mama took me to private school just for a better education, right. just for more exposure, you know? Right. So, man, that's when it took off from there. It's like, how ma. <laughs> uh, a water ma. What a pangyo. Bu- bukachi. Like, it's just a lot
2: of, man, I can do a lot of so, stuff.
1: She, she, <laughs> so, how far,
2: how far could you go with the language? You know, could you, could you exist in China uh, without having to revert back to English? Are you that proficient in Mandarin? Or um, you would had to split between Mandarin and English if you were in China?
0: Man, to be honest, in ninth, tenth grade, like, I started speaking fluently, like, around okay. 10th grade year. Yeah, but yeah. since I made that transition yeah. to go to Memphis East, I kind of forgot yeah. something a little bit. Yeah, sure. But, man, 19th grade, like, I was getting straight A's on everything because I was just, like, so we had a test to where, like, you had to write the ping, which is, like, the pronunciation yeah. of the word, yeah. but also write the Chinese character. So, oh. like, I used to just write it, like, a, like literally 100 times, each character. So when I used to go to my exams, I used to remember it off top, and then I used to just write it down and get an A-plus on it, so but yeah like man it was hard at the same time it was super hard
1: but one thing you do that I've noticed is like repetition 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 Um, like even when you say (laughs) you put the notes up try to get your jump you know jump higher get stronger even just with you know the Chinese word and like repetition is that like one thing that you always bring out that you know for sure Jordan (laughs) Poole said prior to he just said like the work isn't he just wants to make sure the work doesn't fail him so Mm -hmm. it's like that's something Mm -hmm. that even during this tough time, even when you t- tore your meniscus not too long ago, was that something where you got hurt? Were you ready to be like, all right, I'm going to push through this? I've been through this a million times and I'm just going to wrap it out until I get to where I want to go. Because aside from a knee injury, you know, that be a top pick and, you know, I have to take your path in the first three years is, you know, you really have to be poised and, you know, chop wood and carry water.
0: Yeah. Right. To be honest, um, going through that adversity was very hard for me because um, I'm such a competitor. So just watching the game, it, it kind of made me sick to my stomach a little bit because I wanted to be out there to contribute to the team. But I yes. wasn't able to because I was in a situation that I couldn't control. Yeah. So, man, just seeing that, it, it made me work even harder. It put uh, more of a battery in my back to just make sure that I appreciate the game more when I'm back out there. And now since I'm back out here, like I'm just like I'm willing to learn and just do anything I can to be the best version of myself. Because man, that injury taught me that like what you love can get taken away quickly. Mm. Right. So you gotta cherish it. That's real. So we have this uh segment in our in our
1: show called Guns and Butter. And uh, a lot of people call it, they think it's like the macroeconomic principle, but it's just a segment in our show that we got from the movie Baby Boy. Okay. And um it's Vin Rain, he discusses the difference between guns and butter, which is basically the micro decisions. Yeah. Small decisions that you make right now that don't seem huge, but in retrospect, they're a big deal. Right. What, what was something that occurred in your life where you thought was a big deal? Was it meeting Penny? Was it you know sitting there, like I said prior to, really you know deciding that you're going to make it to the NBA or make it a goal to climb that mountain? Like, what, what do you think yours was?
0: Uh, I feel like it was just self, self ambition, self driven. Like just being driven to just love the game. Like I always love the game. I always used to watch different games, different NBA games ever since I was six, seven years old, just visualizing myself yeah. one day being out there. So mm-hmm. it's always been something that was inside of me, which is my faith. Yeah. And that's what got me through my adversity. and got me through everything. And that's why I'm still here. Because I just didn't give up. I had my faith.
1: Yeah, well, so, talk yeah. about your adversity. I mean, I think your story with the torn meniscus and everything gets you, you know, expound upon that because that's a, a teaching point to young kids and, you know, players that might hit the league and get hurt early on. like yeah. Go through the, you know, the nine glitz and glamorous parts of that. Because to be going out for 16, 17 months. like yeah.
2: No one knows anything about rehab.
1: Yeah, rehab. Yes. Actually, or in between the self-doubt or, yeah. you know, yeah. impatience. or
0: you know. Man, one thing about rehab, it's repetitive and it's tedious. So yeah. you're doing the same thing every day. And you got to give it the same energy every day because if you don't, then that's like less of work that you put in. You got to put, you got to be 110% come with the rehab and you got to be mentally there. Mm -hmm. Most days, like I wasn't mentally there most days, to be honest, like I didn't feel like like I had the energy or like what it took to go work out. But I was like, no, I can't let my team down. And also I can't let myself down because I got that faith and that self ambition inside of me that like, I want to be the best I want to be. So I can't give up. So like that resilience and just that perseverance, it just like it was more of a self battle than just basketball. Like injury, going through an injury and going through rehab is more like self-explanatory. And me going through that made me made me stronger as a man. Like not only as a basketball player,
2: mm-hmm. and, and I want to compare that to the situation that happened your. At Memphis, essentially, you know, yeah, how many games yeah. did you play at Memphis? Oh, I played three. You Played like, three games, yeah, right? Three and games. and, and like it was.
0: numbers is up there. Cis numbers is like that. Man. No, I appreciate and, it.
2: And and you 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 know, we take it back. You know, uh, the NCAA declared you ineligible for sort of uh, a period of time. You just end up taking a whole year off because they said it was improper benefits. Yeah. And just walk us through that whole situation. And are you aware of how your situation came to affect you know, essentially what is our NIL deal now? You know what I mean? Like you kind of changed the landscape of college basketball, but just kind of take us through uh, that whole situation where you're going to Memphis to play uh, for Penny and then you just hit and it just, it's like you came to a halt. Man, that situation
0: was tricky because I'm an 18-year-old kid coming into college and mm-hmm. just want to win a national championship. Like, that's the goal mm-hmm. for every team that yeah. comes in, every player that want to come in. So that was my goal. We had Precious Chua. We had Lester Keonez. Yeah. We had yeah. Boogie Ellis. We had a squad. Yeah. And I played with three guys on that team. Yeah,
1: Lester can go. I just <laughs> played with Lester. Yeah. Yeah. Precious, yeah. my rookie Precious in Miami.
0: Too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a Precious, Yeah. a dog. But, um, man, yeah, just going to Memphis, like, that's what I expected. And so, like, when all that stuff happened, Man, what's crazy is when I was going through the summer workouts, they ruled me eligible the whole time. But after my first game, they ruled me ineligible. Because he was 32, 12, and 8, bro. (laughs) Bro, went ham. I'm like, they ain't going to drop 8
1: (laughs) assists (laughs) with this? Like, legit, it was crazy, bro.
0: Man. You was too good early, bro. Nah, man, appreciate that. But, man, to be honest with you, like, I wanted to do that. That was my dream. Like, go to college and actually, like, I wanted to go to college. Right. So, man, when NCAA did all that stuff, man, it just... Took a turmoil on my like on me mentally, but my family as well. So yeah, it was a hard situation. Like like I had to grow up fast after that because
1: basically you really only had what your next game was probably a year later. So how'd you stay locked in and focused? Like that was eight or nine months, and you know, and obviously outside looking in, we knew you'd be a top pick. But that's the first time you ever probably didn't compete or play. You know when the season's going on or. Right. You know, at a young age, it's your identity. I'm not saying in, for confidence, but it's just like what's your what you know. So, what like what was that like? Where'd you man, where'd I, you go? What if what advice did Penny give you? Like, did that relationship fare different afterwards? Yeah. Or you know what I mean?
0: No, we still talk like almost like well, sometimes like whenever he got time, we would talk, chop it up. But mm-hmm. during that time, man, like it was just crazy because I'm just going through it. And what's crazy is they said if I wanted to stay in college. I probably won't play it till January the 10th. All that stuff happened in November. Yeah. So and they said in order for me to play January the 10th, I had to pay all the money back and stuff, but I didn't even have the money. Because yeah. I was I was a real college student. I didn't have no money. Yeah. I didn't I didn't go to college and I didn't get nothing from that. Mm-hmm. Like I just wanted to go play ball because that's what I love. I don't yeah. care, I don't care about the money. Yeah. That's right. But like when all that stuff happened, like it was just crazy. And it took a man, like man, I had to grow up really fast after that. Yeah. Super fast.
2: And I really believe him that it's not about the money. Cause he don't spend no money. money. Yeah. <laughs> spend and that. he make a lot of money. Yeah, no, like no, you no, can see, pre- I, yeah. I, I can smell her with money yeah, that's, that's what right. paid in full. Yeah. And I can smell it on him, but I don't see it. Like he he's just a regular kid, man. I, I truly respect that about you. Like the money hasn't affected you. You let it. You haven't let it change you. You stay true to who you are. And that's why I want to tap into another one of your passion projects. You know, things that I've been noticing you've been doing off the court. and. As black athletes, is is used against us sometimes, you know. Because what do you hear if you don't make a shot? You hear the noise. Well, go shoot a thousand more shots. About you, I've noticed that you you've really been into music, and uh, I don't know how much you've shared it, but when I heard it, I was taken aback because I said, "Oh, you can really rap," and it's you know, you're not you're rapping to who you are, you know. And 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 we've had conversations with uh, other NBA players, you know. I talked to Bones Highland, and he's really into rap, but he's rapping about who he truly is. So that's yeah. what I respect. And so just kind of talk to us about how that came about and, and where you want to take it. Man, what's crazy is I made all that music during my rehab,
0: because I was going through a lot. Oh, makes sense. And like, you know, I had a lot, you know, during rehab, you got a lot of time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so
1: And and, and, yeah. and time keeps going. <laughs> like
0: the team just forgets it. They're like,
1: damn, like so I'm really solo? Yeah, Y'all got all real. about me. Like, <laughs> yeah,
0: for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that took a toll on me mentally because I'm like, man, I want to be with my team, but I'm all the way back here. I got a huge brace on my leg. I'm just right. sitting on the couch watching the games. I'm like, bro, like, like, why I'm not out there? Yeah. And that, like, that brings a lot of grief. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it really do. So,
2: so what yeah. do you normally, you know, what's your subject matter in your music? And like I said, like, what do you hope to do? Will you continue it? And what do you want to get from it? And you produce too, yeah. right? yeah a little bit a little, oh, a little bit, bit. Okay, okay, okay okay okay
0: but yeah man it's really just for fun i just do it just to keep my creativity alive yeah, man just yeah. to do stuff outside of basketball i'm not only just a basketball player mm-hmm. like i do more stuff outside okay. of that mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just trying to break that because it's like a stigma on athletes to where it's like they you know media just feel like we just can't do nothing but just play basketball correct but people are more talented than that mm. who's no. your uh comparison who you flow like Man, myself, just like yeah. Andre said, I just self-explained it. So I just rap about my my life, what I went through, and everything. And in terms of like taking the music forward, I mean, we'll just see. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Who, who's your
2: inspiration <laughs> when you're like, you know, we all have our inspirations in basketball, you right. know. But who's someone you say when they rap, you really feel it, and it's like, listen, I'm gonna take that same energy and put it on the paper when I start writing.
1: You gotta say Young Bach. <laughs>
2: <laughs> don't do that. Straight Out of Casville was a great album.
1: So yeah. don't even do that. Bro. It was a good album. All right, all right just, so just keep going. All right, never mind. I won't say that now. No, that's I a, a classic. I was confused. That's a class.
0: You heard that interview? Yeah, he was bogus. Right? Like, he <laughs> keep, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> uh, i say probably Nas. Nice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nas, Jay Z, Lil Wayne, and probably like Andre 3000. Yeah, right, for sure. bad, girl. Yeah, I
1: right, listen to your little mixtape, yeah. man. <laughs> I, I feel
2: like I hear some J Cole in there too. Yeah. J you know, Cole for sure. Yeah, like yeah, like Cole. you know, I can hear him saying the first time he you know kissed a girl. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. but at the same time, he talk about rehab. Like, yeah. this is what I'm going through, and I don't have to transform to something else to sell my music. I'm just stay true to who I am. So. Yeah,
1: exactly. so, speaking of which, that's a great word you use, transform. Um, as a big man, as a dominant big man you're starting to see the role of the big kind of change a bit right so in your head growing up when you were coming into the game you start to see the bigs they have to stretch the floor more you're starting Mm -hmm. to see vic one fire he's putting Mm -hmm. on the floor and Mm -hmm. everything Mm -hmm. i always wonder coming in coming in as a dominant big like how do you feel with the role of the big and how it's evolving and then how do you have to adjust considering you start out the, your career with the back to the basket and dominating the paint, and that's not as sexy anymore. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So right. how do you, how you think you have to develop going on in order to leave that same type of imprint that you had all throughout your career prior to the NBA? And, you know, do you think <clears throat> it's something you can do or and, and do you think? Do you, do you love or hate that how, how the big is being used these days?
0: No, I love it because um you got it I mean, the game is going to expand in years anyways, yeah. especially like like you said, the big's coming in and stuff like that. So I used to watch KG when I was younger too, especially when he was in Minnesota. So yeah. I already knew mm-hmm. that okay, like I'm growing, like I'm I'm already six eight, six seven in eighth grade. So I know yeah. that I'm gonna become a big. Yeah, yeah. But I just made sure that okay, in the future, I got to make sure I get these guard skills and make sure that I can be able to shoot the ball from 15 foot out and just be able to stretch the floor because that's what's gonna happen, like in the future of of bigs. So yeah, yeah I kind of already had that idea.
2: Uh, well. I meant to mention something to you about your Mandarin. And this is something I always go back and say. And it's, you know, we talk about businesses uh, outside the game, you know, you want to get into music, but how do you turn it into a business? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, in terms of one of our largest fan bases is China. Um, I always wish I learned Mandarin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so for me to you, I feel like you should embrace that. Like, that's just a incredible basketball community. Like, yeah they really rock with us heavy. They have more people. There's
1: 350 million people in America and there's 350 million people in China that play basketball each day. Every day. So I I So just imagine. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, oh, just imagine when we figure out a way to get the NBA China money, how much that'll come out to They're making making tons of money every day aside from the NBA.
2: And (laughs) when you talk about business specifically, Um, you know, you you you've been wearing Nikes a lot. You were with a um, Chinese shoe company for a hot second, right? Yeah, you, you yep. were Anta, right? So yep. I guess my question would be, you know, as you continue to grow your grow your brand and being a Mandarin speaking black athlete, super rare. Mm-hmm. Like the business opportunities are are just there for you. Yeah. Like they're, they're, you can't even count it. Um, has that was that a part of that decision to go with Anta? And then have you ever thought about uh, moving in that direction because you know we always looking at each other's sneakers you know um we're always trying to see you know who's who's paying how much how much these guys making but how mm-hmm. have you gone through you know making a decision on you know uh who you're partnering with in terms of your NBA endorsements man it was
0: crazy it's like I'm not even a lot but um in, in ninth grade that's what I was thinking about that's why I took China, Chinese oh because I like my friends were taking Spanish so I wanted to be different so that's right. why I took it and also, I knew that the game was going to be global, right. like in the future, yeah. and it's going to expand overseas, so that's why wow. I did it, too. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's why I did man, it. Man, that's amazing, because to be yeah. honest
1: with you, when I was a kid, even Europe seemed like the moon to me. Right, you know what right. I mean? So for you to have that confidence, yeah. be like, yo, yeah. on eighth grade, I'm supposed to hoop, and tell me I'm supposed to do this, I'm supposed to be a big ticket bet, when I get there, in China, I'll be ready for China. Mm-hmm. Like I give you much respects and snaps for that because yeah, uh, for sure. See that focal vision and a be- have that awareness to, mm-hmm. you know, really continue to add value to your passion and mission that you're on is 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 admirable.
2: So I'm asking you this question for a reason. Who was mm-hmm. one of your uh, favorite teachers? So like.
0: We say Laosher. Laosher means teacher in Mandarin, ch- and Chinese. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's my guy's name Andrew Kelly. And uh, he was my Chinese teacher in, in 97th grade. Mm-hmm. And he taught me everything. Like I used to, like even after I did, like got all my work done in the gym, I used to go back and just go to study hall and just study some more. So like, he used to teach me everything. And like that's my, and, and that's my guy to this day.
2: Yeah. But I also heard a quote from one of your teachers stating <laughs> that, you know, uh, you were just a profound thinker. And I heard that, you know, you had an interest in philanthropy. Yeah. Okay. So I really want to tap into that, you know, kind of, I couldn't even say the word when I was your age. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Where did that come from or what, you know, I, there's a book called The Body Heaps of Score. I always mention it. Uh, my wife talks about it, how our traumas grow with us and it can determine who we become right. if we don't face it the right way or who we can become if we do face it the right way. So. Right. Talk to me about your experiences in life that led you to wanting to become someone who gives back. Uh, Really,
0: just watching you, um, just watching LeBron, Mm -hmm. and like just like seeing how he created a whole academy just Mm -hmm. for kids, and just seeing Mm -hmm. that at young, like just seeing that at a young age. Seeing Dre becoming a venture capitalist after his NBA career, Mm -hmm. like man, just seeing all that stuff just inspired me at a young age, Mm -hmm. like for real. Just like your story, LeBron's story. You got Stephen Curry. You got like just how their brands is just like has expanded mm-hmm. just yeah. by them putting in work on the basketball floor, on the basketball court, mm-hmm. and just letting that expand just by using their creativity is crazy to me. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what inspired
2: me, for real, mm-hmm. like, so, to become that. So, what's, is there anything specifically that you're looking to tap into, or you just want to be able to, you know, be able to build something on the court that'll translate off the court and you'll be able to provide for kids?
0: To be honest, man, like, I'm really just focused on the court right now, mm-hmm. and just focus on grinding, As like, you that's really be. it. Yeah. 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 yep.
2: yep. yep. That's yeah. what uh, that's what Jordan want to hear. <laughs> that's really it.
1: So, with that being said, I know you you already think years in advance. If you had to say or paint a perfect picture, you know, going forward after having your first game, year three, what, yeah. what what would the next ten years be like on the court as a warrior? You know the goals, and then off the court, like r- realistically, like what. You see how Dre built his foundation. You see how you know Dre, Mind, Steph, and Clay, they didn't set tones for where it's. Uh, they changed the whole fan base, changed the whole culture. Really took a whole organization from Oakland to San Fran. Like, what what's the milestones that you really want to hit that's going to leave a big impact? You know what I'm
0: saying? Uh, I just want to be known as a true professional uh, that played the game the right way, coming in the NBA. But also outside of that um i just want to be a multi-dimensional person that can be able to do plenty things and be able to inspire and help people but at the same time like i'm just uh in the present moment like i just leave that up to god so really i just keep my faith strong and just keep enduring even through the good and the bad but also just knowing that it's god that's that's steering the wheel that's taking this over so i i really don't know but uh, i say man hopefully i do become one of the greatest players and and be up there with Iggy and just uh, uh just yeah, up there with Steph and them. So yeah. I mean that's the plan. <laughs>